Welcome to the Business Meets Soul podcast. I'm your host, Tara Hegarty, and on this show, you can expect powerful, soul-shifting conversations to help you effortlessly expand, align your energy, and unlock your infinite potential in life and business. Because your definition of success isn't determined by an endpoint or goal. For you, success is the byproduct of being who you are, doing what you love, and living in alignment with your soul. Are you ready to anchor into deeper layers of abundance, service, and freedom together? Let's dive in. So welcome to the Business Meets Soul podcast. Today's guest is Todd Jarrett, an identity mentor and a guiding force in the realm of self-discovery. Todd's journey is quite remarkable. And as a young achiever, he embodied excellence by excelling as the top student in both school and university, was a national athlete, sports commentator, motorsport team manager, and sports journalist all before the age of 19. Later on, he transitioned into becoming a university lecturer in human physiology and a performance coach for world champions and Olympic level athletes by the age of 21. However, a significant turning point arrived in Todd's life. After multiple years of health complications, Todd nearly lost his life through immune-related complications. It was during this time he realised his life had been a mask for an internal pain. And this realisation led him on a transformative journey, encompassing mental, emotional, physical, and unexpectedly, spiritual healing. And contrary to conventional medical wisdom, Todd embarked on a path of self-discovery and bore witness to countless others achieving the same. His work now centres around the concept of human identity, what defines us and what doesn't. At the heart of Todd's mission lies a simple yet profound goal. First and foremost, he aspires to radiate happiness, joy and love each day. Additionally, he is dedicated to empowering others showing them that the answers they perpetually seek reside within their hearts rather than their minds. Welcome, Todd. Thank you for being (laughs) here with me today. I was just about to say you have such a voice for radio and podcasts. I'm listening going, oh, my gosh, I'm captivated. I could listen all day. (laughs) I think that's why I do meditations. People are like, oh, my goodness, you've got the voice of an angel. I can just get captivated. I'm like, oh. Thank you. Yeah, you do. It's very, uh, it's almost like a petite voice. It's very, I love it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Todd, I had the total joy of uh, catching your live talk not too long ago, and I was really captivated by the stories you'd shared, your profound insights, and how you carry yourself. And your perspective on life is really, truly remarkable. And to hear where you've come from to where you are now is really, really inspiring, and it truly reflects the strength of the human spirit. So a big old thank you for steering your work toward helping others. And so before we dive into your journey, I'd love to ask you a question that I ask all guests on the show first up, and it kind of gives everyone a sneak peek into the essence of your business. So if you could describe the soul of your business, big one I know, (laughs) just in a few words, what would that look and feel like? The phoenix. Oh, the phoenix. Yes. So the principle of the phoenix is to reborn from the ashes. And to me, that's what identity work or the identity system is an implementation of. It's if we can get to the core and the root, you can rebirth yourself from wherever you are in life 
and recreate what you desire. Amazing. The old rebirth, death. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, space holder for that. That's incredible. Um, Thank you. That's really, really powerful, actually. Powerful image kind of came into my mind and had this kind of like phoenix of the bird kind of coming through. So cool. (laughs) Uh, Todd, it's really incredible um, how much you've achieved and all these remarkable milestones at such a really young age. And, you know, becoming a professional sports commentator and then a national sports um, team manager. Um, How did all of these... I guess, early achievements contribute to your personal growth and really shape your understanding of success? Mm. (sighs) The understanding of success for me was, at that point, it was driven by I needed to succeed Mm. to feel like I was worthy of love. And I didn't have the awareness at that time, but now as in looking back to answer that question, it was – what did I define success as? Success to me was being adored or appreciated for my achievements. Mm. And from that feeling valid within the people around me or validated. And, you know, that's the beginning of the the early journey or my earlier years was it was all about what's the next step, what's the next goal, because I got here, but if I don't get to the next step, then I'm not worthy of love or people won't hang around or people won't like me. Uh, or the internal dialogue of me not loving myself, that would be the takeover. So it was a, an obsession, like an addiction to I need to keep growing. So for me back then, success was an external achievement that created some kind of short-term feeling, mm. but it was like the, the self-image. It was like pride about myself, I guess you'd say. Mm. And I guess life isn't linear, right? It's 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 not a linear climb. It's not straightforward. You know, life is messy. It's complicated. You know, everyone of us stumble over and we fall over flat on our faces many times. And it's then that ability to um, learn how to fall better, you know, how to crack more whole, essentially. And so when you talk about success and that external validation to um, once you achieve and then once you've kind of received that, then looking for more looking for more outside of that. And uh, it's, you know, it's about learning to break, I guess, more gracefully, would you say, as you go through that process? (laughs) You know, it's about learning to heal better. It's, you know, it's, you know, to get back up and and fail again. Um, I guess where I'm coming from is like, you know, you have your heart at where your feet is, you know, and then take that next step. Is that how success has kind of come through for you later on now that you've Uh, kind of gone through? Well, for me, when I was listening to you, one part that you said about breaking more whole, cracking more whole, (laughs) Mm. you know that we have the saying, uh, your universe will give you signs and it's the feather, the brick or the bus. Mm. It'll, you know, rub you on the nose or it'll smack you in the face with a brick or you get hit by the bus. I didn't listen to any of them or feel. I probably didn't have the capacity to feel back then. And so for me, it was kind of like the bus came through and and with the health journey, it was almost like then the trains and repeated trains. I just kept getting hit and I didn't know what to take as guidance because I was so disconnected from a felt sense in my body. Mm. And then success now, or as you were saying, the connection like with with the heart, for me, success isn't an external anymore. Mm. Success is a feeling of joy and love and 
even then there's a sense of appreciation for when it's not. Like yesterday I had a trigger in the morning and it brought up frustration and anger and I was like, wow, I'm working so much, you know, working mm. so much on being love. And this little thing just like bricked me in the head. Mm. And then when I got to clear it and I thought, oh, amazing. Okay, back to this experience. And then about three hours later it hit again and I was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. And so through the process there was being able to, to feel what is, what's there without making it more or avoiding it. And then on the other side of it, it was, okay, well, that was your experience. And if that's your experience now, can you at least enjoy it? So it's more about being able to enjoy the moment in whatever it is rather than only enjoying it when it is considered to be successful or loving or joyful or whatever it is, even in the moments of discomfort or trigger or upset, being able to be in that and go, I know that's what I'm feeling or what is being felt right now. And that's all good because I'm here feeling it. Mm. And it's a shift, isn't it? The way that you perceive success, you know, as you said, growing up, you know, it's all these things that, you know, you're, you're doing to receive, you know, the love and support from outside. And then success almost has that flip now is like the love is from inside and that success, like that's yeah. Incredible. Um, and it's, uh, I guess your your journey then, you know, as you're kind of moving through that, you know, I know you were bullied and um, you're outcasted, you know, to becoming, um, to now what you're becoming a successful identity mentor. Um, it's it's really, truly inspiring. So can you share any kind of, I guess, key moments with any mentors or experiences that have shaped your transformation and led you to your current path as well? Yeah, so... It's interesting what we'd consider mentor, whether we talk spiritual space or business space, you know, especially with the title of the podcast. And mm. then to me, my first really clear mentors were definitely my parents. Yeah. And you know, as as we say, uh, our parents are those that love us most and also the ones that bring us the most challenges and very aware of that. But for me, I always had unconditional support. Um, from mum and dad. And so mum, there was two quotes, one from mum, one from dad. And mum said, she actually took this from a coach of mine, a motocross coach. And if someone else can do it, you can do it too. Just follow them like a box trailer. Because we're from the country, we're outback <laughs> kids. So she's like, you know, the box, the little box trailers yeah. that just follow a car. She's yeah. like, just follow them like a box trailer. And so that was number one. And then dad number two was, we'll support you no matter what you're doing as long as you're having fun. So there was a condition there, mm. but it was fun. It wasn't an outcome or a result. It didn't matter if I came first or last. If I came in with a smile on my face, they were happy. And so those, you know, you hear them as a kid and you're like, I want to win. But when you're older, you go, wow, they're, they're things that, you know, with retrospect you realize were really powerful. So those two, and then – I feel like my high school PE teacher was one. But oh, yeah. She, she, the reason I say her wasn't necessarily something she taught, it was who she was. Yeah. She was young, she was sporty, so that was my passion at the time, mm -hmm. and she was really engaged and saw that I was a conscientious learner and she would go out of her way to give me more tasks or to help me learn something in prep for uni or whatever it was. And we're in a reading class one day and she played Eric Thomas and back then, like I was the driven achiever at school. And so I heard this, the quote, 
and the speech and it just pricked my ears. And that's really when my personal development or mindset motivational journey began. I wanted to be a motivational speaker when I was like 17, just <laughs> that, that world. And then beyond that, mentors wise, there's one that hit, and this is from Tony Robbins, which a lot of people will know. And the quote is fairly popular, Mm. but that's where he said, if success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure, where he talks about like Robin Williams, you can be the happiest, funniest guy on the outside, but if you're not fulfilled internally, there's that depression. Mm. That was big for me. And then I, then it sort of twigged the question of, well, if fulfillment without success, what's that? And so that's that well, was. Can we repeat that again? Fulfillment without success. Mm. Huge, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I needed just to take a moment to receive that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's that it was yeah. just the principle of reverse engineering it. If mm. success, the external without the internal, is the ultimate failure, then what's the internal without the external? It's mm. like, is that peace or is that joy or, mm. you know? So that was a big one for me, and that came in in my health journey. The other mentors that I'd say that were were primary in it were Mitch Vickridge, the guy that guided me through my physical healing journey. Yes. And again, not so much a quote, but him challenging me on identifying with labels. Yeah. And I feel like that's a big part of where the gift was in identity was because I identified with a label with ulcerative colitis. Yes. He said, as long as you're identifying with that, you'll continue to have symptoms or you'll talk about relapses or flares. You keep using the language, you'll keep experiencing it in your body, like that biology of belief. Mm. And then beyond that, even just terminology, like Mm. I was healing. And then I realized one day, as long as I continue to be healing, what am I healing from? There's still something that's ailing. Yes. And so it came the focus on, on health. And most, most recently would be Darren Manser. He's Mm -hmm. a student of David Hawkins, as we've spoken about before the potty. And he's, his quote is love everyone and everything, including yourself. Mm. And that's that's the, the mission kind of like in the, you know, the intro piece. Absolutely. And yeah. that's powerful, isn't it? Because I think, um, you know, particularly going back to um, the identity piece there and, you know, the, the physical and uh, identifying with, um, you know, when you, we go to the doctor and we receive the diagnosis that you have, um, an autoimmune disease, you have some sort of, you know, cancer or some sort of ailment, then you identify with that and then you start to take on that story, don't you? And then you can sit in that story for sometimes too long and that's when things start to break down in and around you and it's like, well, how do I pull myself up and out of that? And uh, I I think there's, you know, an aspect of that where, um, like we were talking about, yeah, before uh, about you know Ramdas and how um, incredible he, his his work and being the pioneer um, of you know <laughs> experimentation. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say, uh, but you know that identity is like you know it's that 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 channel, the first channel he refers to is about being in the physical and identifying it. So the way that you um, are sitting in that channel or level of consciousness is that. You're attuning um, everything around you in that physical. So you may look at people and say they're they're thin, they're fat, they're um, pretty, they're not, you know, and, and you start to 
um, obsess in that kind of channel or that level of consciousness. Same thing with, you know, uh, disease. You, mm. know, you sit in that channel because you start to identify with the physical symptoms that are presenting with you. And then you've got to flip up and out of that channel and then you've got all the roles. So, you know, as you mentioned before, the identity roles, you know, I'm, I'm the mum with such and such, you know, I'm, I'm the father or the, the, um, the lawyer, the mm. wherever, and you sit into that. And then it's like, we are, he said, you know, 98% of us actually sit in those two roles. We're either, you know, we're um, tic-tacking between those two um, levels of consciousness or channels, he refers to them in simple terms. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, if you're tic-tacking between those two, what's the next channel? And, mm. you know, you become he refers to it as like the mythology kind of aspect channel, like the astral plane. Uh, and then after that, then you flick into the being the witness and the observer. And then he goes into the Buddhist kind of philosophy of being the observer within and everything like that. So, yeah. um, and it's interesting that, uh, you know, we do have that identification. And I, I really want to dive into like your near death experiences. And because um, my brother had a near death experience, um, he was tragically hit by a car. Uh, he broke his C1, his C4, um, and T7, and then bruised his C, his spinal cord from C2 down. Mm. And so over 10 years ago, I firsthand experienced um, uh, that physical pain, but I also got to witness a miracle. Yeah. He was told by the doctors that he was going to be a quadriplegic um, and never walk again. And after two weeks in ICO and then four weeks or four months, sorry, in the spinal unit, um, and I got to witness him kind of reconnecting his neural network and um, through intention. So each night he would go to sleep. As he would go to sleep, he would actually say, um, you know, in his mind, in his thoughts, um, you know, move my big toe, move my big toe, move my big toe. And after four months of doing that, um, I remember walking in because we used to have to um, we'd kind of do shifts. So mum would do the morning, I'd do the evening after uni and um, we'd feed him because he couldn't use his hands and everything. And he'd be like, Tara, guess what? And I'm like, what? And so his toe would move. And I was just like, oh my gosh, goodness, that's great. Because that meant the messages from his brain was getting right down to the very, very tip of his body down yeah. to his big toe. And, um, you know, I, 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 we were all kind of jumping for joy. It was an incredible, incredible moment. And then that was just the trigger and the catalyst for him to start moving the rest of his um, parts of his body. Yeah. And, um, you know, for, for several months we used to watch, um, back then we used to have like little DVD kind of like little plays. <laughs> Sorry, no Netflix, no kind of like, um, yeah, data or anything like that but we used to watch um all these like dvds and one of them for him was the secret yeah. and i know we're going back into the secret um kind of philosophy but um it's quite powerful in the fact that he realized that um there was just more than just the physical and you know his thoughts were so powerful and he said i'm actually going to walk out of this hospital and um you know it's he he did you know after a year um he started to um walk and like use this um like a what's it called a, like a frame a frame and yep. started to build his muscle um muscles back up and he walked out and you know now he you look at him and you probably wouldn't realize that he you know had such a tragic accident because he he does walk with a limp and he kind of has to lift his arm up to kind of shake your hand but he has this beautiful presence about him that just um 
makes you realize that he's he's experienced this physical pain and he's like almost pushed himself up into the limit of well that was physical pain there's so much more to life than than that I'm living I'm breathing and he's just this he exudes this positivity anytime you're in in his presence and he's just an incredible and I I I know um it was actually quite miraculous in terms of witnessing that mind-body connection. Mm. And for me, that's what took me on my path of learning more about the body uh, and where I am today. So, you know, there's this near-death experiences that you've experienced as well. And, uh, you know, in your early 20s, was it? Yeah. So that must have been life-altering. And I've I've seen it and, and from, you know, observing my brother going through that. Could you tell us more about those experiences for you and how they've served as a catalyst for your awakening to the importance of, I guess, internal fulfillment that we were kind of talking about before. Yeah. Well, first of all, that the story of your brother, it's, it's incredible. Mm. And there's a, there's an internal part of me as listening going, you know, from the beginning, he's like, I'm going to walk out of here. And the fact that he had the intention of move my big toe was like his identity wasn't like victimized into I'm the quadriplegic forever. It's like, no, I can overcome this. And that's so powerful. Mm. Oh, it's, it's, it's incredible for me. You know, there's so many tangents of, of how I had a client that was a paraplegic for five years and we did no physical work, just identity and some breath. Yeah. And within a few months, he started having movement and muscle activation and all of these things after five years of physical work that hadn't created it. And that was, you know, seeing it in other people because I'd gone through it myself, mm. but seeing it in others. It's just that, it's just that reminder of we as humans are so much more powerful than we realize. And it's largely when we're beyond the mind, when yes. we're in, in the energy of the body or, or even beyond that. Mm. For me, I was first hospitalized in 2016. I was at uni at the time. I was training athletes and commentating and at the National Motocross and doing sports journalism, so doing a lot yeah. and not sleeping or resting enough. And so the body basically just started to send the signals as it does with- The co- feather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I then eventually I ended up in hospital towards the start of 2016. Mm-hmm. And they put me on some medication and sent me on my way. A few months later, I was back to normal and I thought, I didn't know at the time what it was. I just, they said it was an acute bout of colitis. And so they didn't actually explain that this is, a you know, their terms, a lifelong thing that, you know, you need to manage, et cetera. Mm. And so for me, I went back to living how I did. And two years later in twenty end of 2018, by this point, I was living on the sunny coast and lecturing at USC and... I started having symptoms again to the point where I'd be late for lectures and tutorials and things like that. And, and then I went and saw another gastroenterologist and they'd said, like, we just want to, you, you know, medication. And I, at that point I'd done enough reading and research of Dispenza's work and Lipton's work that I was like, I'm not, I'm not sold. No, thanks. Yeah. And so we went looking down the FMT path mm. So for the listeners, that's fecal microbial transplant, where basically you take the the gut microbiome of someone else and implant it into your own. And I went, we actually found that there was a specialist on the sunny coast that had just finished a a research paper in that. And so we went to him and he said, look, it's just finished. So we could do some light medication to begin with until we're ready to go down that path. And that ended up being a real roller coaster. That was early 2019. And I had the first medication we tried. I 
I say tried for a reason. I had an allergic mm. reaction to, um, mm. which was like, I think it was like a Stevens Johnson's or something where it like eats away at your skin and it started in my mouth and I just had crazy ulcers and they said this can be fatal for people if it's not. So that I stopped that medication and went on a whole bunch of different ones and then basically by July I was back in hospital in an emergency hospitalization and they pumped up my meds, uh, got doped up with a whole bunch of hydrocortisone and, and uh, immune blockers and stuff like mm. that. And then September, it was September, I believe, uh, 2019. That's when I was re-emergency hospitalized. I was in and out getting blood infusions and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, I can't remember what they're called now. Infliximab, Mab infusions, basically order antibody infusions. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's when they basically said, look, you got 24 to, 48 hours to live if something goes wrong here with sepsis and, and the uh, intestine. And at that point, like I thought that was a near death, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to live. So you start to contemplate, mm. but I wasn't actually going to die. You know, like the surgeons would have saved me by cutting out my intestine or whatever they needed to do. But for my family, like they, they thought I was, they weren't going to see me again. And basically was on the medication for five or six more months um, higher and higher dosages and eventually got to the point where they said, look, you're not getting better. Mm. Um, I still couldn't exercise. I still couldn't look after myself fully. I was still in a lot of pain and a lot of challenges. And I got to a point where I felt like I was torn between what I knew, like that part of me that's like, there's something more. Mm. You can heal. You've listened to all these books. You've read the books. You get it. You know it physiologically. But then there's this other part of me that was like, no, they've told you you can't heal without the medication. The people that know, know. And, uh, yeah, it got to a point where when they told me I was a non-responder, it's like, well, it's up to me now. Mm. And so I made the decision to, to stop all the medication and that was my kind of, that was my surrender to, I'm going to say surrender to God, like if I'm supposed to make it through this. I didn't use those words at the time. Two weeks later, when my liver and my kidneys had shut down, my body was, that's when I was genuinely like, yeah, I may not make this. Mm. Um, and there was two weeks there where I was, for me, yeah, going to to bed each night, writing a note to my family. But it was like, a, I realized how much love there was for people and life in that time. Because I was like, I might not wake up in the morning. What would I say to my family? And a big part of it was not only saying like what I love about them, but hey, these are the things that I love and that people love. So please don't change that about yourself. And it was around two weeks after that uh, process of stopping the medication where I was, that's, that's when I surrendered to God and I prayed and I wasn't spiritually inclined or religious or anything. I was just like, look, if there's a God, I'd, I'd like, I need some kind of a sign that I'm going to make it through this if I'm supposed to be here. And the next day, uh, Mitch Vickridge, the guy that took me through my journey, he reached out and he's like, bro, I got a feeling we need to chat. And I was like, that's it. This is it. And we'd spoken previously, but I wasn't ready for that approach. Yeah. And the next six to eight months of that year was just internal work. And really what it was for me was there was spiritual experiences, you would call it, from the surrender to giving, like I give my life up to something greater mm-hmm. and, and things that happen, you know, um, 
And so when you were doing that work, then we, then your kidneys and liver started to come back online. Is yeah. that what happened? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it, physiologically in a really short form, this is for everyone listening because there's a lot of people out there with gut issues and there's going to be a mm. lot more in the next 10 years. Yeah. People are working, attempting to fix the gut. The gut is the byproduct of a dysfunctional kidney and adrenals and liver because if your kidneys and your adrenals are offline or they're, they're shot, basically dysfunctional, you're not actually getting your digestive system to be rested and recovered because the blood flow is always going elsewhere, as is the the recovery. And then if you're from that, if your liver's dysfunctional, then you're not actually able to produce the right enzymes and break down the food. So you've basically got like a a gravel pit inside your gut. Mm-hmm. And so he said, we're not going to work on your gut because I said, hey, what about the FMT? Yes. If they put a new gut microbiome inside of me, then it'll fix. He said, you'll find within 12 months you'll typically revert if you haven't cleared up the roots. Mm. And I was like, what What are the roots? Because at this point, like I'd started to be, because of university lecturing, I was fortunate to learn from the gastroenterologists that were publishing papers and then teach me kind of like an understudy, the same as my doctors. Yeah. And he said, "It's if these things are dysfunctional, liver, kidneys, adrenals, those things, your gut will continue to break down. And on that, it's also the uh, linking up to your brain. So your hypothalamus, your anterior pituitary gland as well, that's all kind of, and there's the neurological confusion um, that, you know, obviously can cause the immunity um, or immune cells to dysregulate as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that connection then too, because, yeah, I know the gut kind of operates in its own, but it's still connected to, yeah, the brain and the yeah, the parts of the brain. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, to add to that. It's, yeah, it's yeah. The, it's, that's the cycle mm. and because if we work at one without the other mm. and that's where the process began was first it was working at, you know, working on the liver and the kidneys and then breath, mindfulness, awareness, all of those things that pieced in, the, you know, the holistic approach, yeah. basically healing the body from the inside out and a lot of it for me was emotional suppression that mm. had been there and getting to release that and, and slowing down giving the body the capacity to to heal itself. But really a big part of it was going from my masculine, from my doing, from my achieving mindset into my feminine feeling, rest, restoration, surrender. Yeah. And that's that was something I'd, I couldn't ever remember experiencing before. And so when you talk about the emotional release, were there certain emotions that were coming up that were obviously suppressed that kind of came up to the surface for you? And what were those emotions? And then how did you move through that? Because obviously we they sit beneath the surface. We bring them online, we bring them up, and they start to bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we want to let them kind of, I guess, diffuse. Like what was your kind of process yeah. through that? Can you share a little bit more? Yeah. So for me, my tool was breath work. Yeah. And – my first couple of breathes with Mitch, like I was still sticking bones, just mm. just surviving. So it was literally just breathing. And the first experience I had with breath work was when I'd been in pain for months and in particular those two weeks where I'd stopped the medication, it was intense, immense. And no pain medication I'd taken had cleared it and he took me just through conscious, connected breath, really gentle for 30 minutes and I had zero pain, zero, to the point I got up out of my bed, walked out into my kitchen, started jumping up and down on the spot in front of my housemate and my dad, and they were freaking out. Mm. But I knew in that moment there was something about breath and you know, being a breathwork tra- practitioner now and having been down that path, my journey with breath was actually very experiential before theoretical or anything like that. Yeah. So for me, uh, the, the emotion was anger mm-hmm. and 
that stemmed from frustration, pressure as a child, wanting to achieve, not feeling like I was good enough, being told I shouldn't express my anger because it's you're perceived as dangerous and, and all of that kind of thing, which uh, was I mentioned earlier about how I felt triggers yesterday and that mm. came up and I realised there was another layer to it. Mm. And for me it was breath work was my space to be able to go beyond the mind and just allow the body to do what the body wanted to do. And so I was doing an hour to an hour and a half breathe three times a week for like six months straight. So that's a a lot of breath. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it was experiential for me in the beginning. And I would say one to two, at least one, but usually two out of those three breaths for that, like five out of the six months was intense emotional release of anger mm. a lot of the time. And it was just, that's just what the body kept wanting to bring up. And, and were you doing those solo or were you being held through that? Oh, I'd have, I was doing it by myself, but I'd be held online. So sure. either, either with Mitchie online or yep. with, uh, you know, another container that I was a part of. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a, the research showing that anger being linked to the large intestine and all of that stuff. Like mm-hmm. theoretically I get it, but at that point I didn't really care. I was just like, if my body needs to do this, the body will do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, for me it was it was anger, a little bit of sadness here and there, but very minimal. And I've mm-hmm. learned through the journey that for me anger was like my easy cop out for not actually feeling sadness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful revelations. And so then you're able to kind of obviously bring your body up and back online through that. Uh, and then is that what triggered you to look into doing breathwork facilitation? Like is that the next step that you kind of went into from there or was it um, more the human body that you were kind of being drawn into? Ooh. I know we're going back, aren't we? No, no, that's fine. It's, no, it's <laughs> Connecting the dots for you. Yeah, because <laughs> as soon as I had that first, I'd done breath work a couple, you know, for a few years prior, but I'd right. really just done gentle breath work and Wim Hof and stuff like that, not yep. conscious connected oral, like, you know, a lot of people would call it holotropic, holotropic but holotropic yep. being like two hours long, mm. it's a bit, you know, it's not the technical term. So that was my first experience with that. And as soon as I had that session and I came out of it and I had no pain, I said to Mitch, Tell me everything you know. Tell me where to go, what to read, what to listen to, what videos to watch. I will, I'm going to study this breath work and know it. Mm. And so I had no idea at the time, like, the depth of breath work. And so when I was down in Victoria and I was still healing, I got, like, a group of friends to come over and do, like, a half-hour breathe. And I, I didn't know about energy and spirit, all of that kind of stuff. I just was like, this has helped me, so can it help other people? Yeah. And started from there. So it was breath. Yes. But I was really realizing at the point identity already. Yeah. Because I recently went back through my notes back then in 2020. It would have been July, August 2020. Mm-hmm. And I was looking through and the, the part of it was t- like, you know, a little bit of a frame for the breath and I was already talking about identity. Mm-hmm. So you could say breath kind of came in first from that and pulling things away with the revelations was identity. And that was where my focus moved to. I didn't know it was going to go there. I didn't have any intention of it going there. You know, I was experiencing it myself and creating the system for my own selfish purpose for healing and for recreating my life from the ground up like the Phoenix. And then I just had a a person come to me that wanted to work as a client. I said, look, I could teach you the mindset stuff that I know, but I feel like this is, I'm doing you a disservice if I don't take you through this. And they had profound results and then, I got confidence in that and then started working with some pro athletes and had profound results. And then it's just been a, 
snowball. Snowball spiral from there. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, so let's dive into that identity because you mentioned in one of your videos um, that identity is the deepest part of our subconscious mind. Yeah. And as an identity mentor, you've developed a unique system for rewiring subconscious minds. Can you provide us with just an overview of your approach and how it helps your clients really achieve their desired success, I guess, whether that's, you know, joy in life, success, you know, moving through any emotions um, and really finding, you know, their true self. Mm, Yeah. So identity as a principle, and there's going to be a lot more content coming out about this, is that in terms of the mind, we have the layers and conscious to subconscious. Top level is an, is an action, a one-off experience. Underneath that is a behavior. It's a habitual action. Underneath that is beliefs where a lot of psychologists, life coaches, performance coaches, psychiatrists work at. Yeah. Underneath beliefs where Tony and Martini will work and their subsidiary coaches is values, and that's like your buckets of beliefs. And when I had my experience and my journey, I was – questioning what life was about. I didn't know at the time what it meant when I was saying like, who am I? I've lost, basically lost every part of myself that I would have said this is Todd Jarrett. Mm. And I was like, I haven't changed my values, my beliefs, my behaviors or my actions. None of these I've consciously changed, but my whole life has been flipped on its head. That means they're not the root. Mm. There has to be something underneath for all of them to have flipped. And again, just through divine timing, guidance, things eventually clicked. And I was like, wow, there's a layer below it. And the more that I read deep spiritual work, the more that I'm like, this This is it for the mind. It is identity. It's the ego. It's the I am. And that for me was. So you're, sorry, you're referring to the identity as the, the monad, the I am. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So mm-hmm. this is where, where it started was all about the mind. And for me, my focus was all about performance. I can use this to get athletes to identify as champion and then they become champion because it will underpin their values, beliefs, behaviors, and actions. And so that's where my focus was, just at performance and mind. And then as I went through, I realized there's more to this and it's not about the external achievement. It's about the internal fulfillment, which was my journey. Yes. And then as I've gone further and further through, it's realizing this can actually be a spiritual tool. Um because the intention is to take it beyond mind, beyond identity, and to teach the principles of it's not the I am, it's the you know the they or the it, um, we the observer or the allness behind the you know we're seeing through the eyes. Yeah, the loving awareness. Yeah. aspect of us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So within that, the the principle or the overview of it is that it's a system mm. to me where the personal development space falls short, uh, kind of like how Hawkins would talk about truth versus falsehood. You can't Mm -hmm. tell if someone's honest or lying, yet you can only go by feeling. You can't tell where they're calibrating at unless we do the testing. You can have an intuition or you can kind of like judge by a biased subjective perception, Mm -hmm. but there's there's parts that miss. And so I realised as I was looking at identity that most of the personal development space is one to a thousand steps to get from where we are to where we desire to be. And in most personal development, they give us steps one to 10. And so we step and we get guided through. And then when we get to 10, they're like, okay, now there's, here's 50 and here's 100, here's 250. And then you're going to like work out the in-betweens and you almost feel like you're left. And that's where people feel like they fall off the track or they'll call it self-sabotage or whatever the story is. Really all it is, is that they don't have enough support in each 
step of the doing in the being. Mm. And so for me, it was realizing that, okay, if I know that it's identity, how do I create a system where I cannot miss the mark of that becoming my identity? And so it's a process of pulling away layers first. You've got to get to pull away actions, behaviors, beliefs, values to be what is the core? Who am I here to be? What am I here to feel? And we go feeling first because, again, fulfillment without success mm. is the is the journey. Mm. So it's based on fulfillment first. What do we want to and committed to feeling? Okay, that's what we're committed to feeling, to being, to experiencing those. What will cultivate that? What are the things, the small things that we might do that then has that become more of our day-to-day state, our being? And from there it's getting clear and then having an emotional you know, leverage in there as well. Why is that who I am? Because a lot of the time with affirmations, we can state, I am this, I am that. But the subconscious, if that's refuted that and disagreed with that for the last 20 years, goes, bullshit. Yeah, I'll disregard it. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so it's it's getting leverage. Mm-hmm. Again, just, just working with, it's like hacking the subconscious. What drives it to work? What drives it to, to dysfunction? And just going in between the cracks and that was my journey. So it's, it's, Realizing what the the intention is with the being, then creating steps, small steps in the doing that cultivate that being. Mm. And that's it at the identity and and mind level. What I'm the service now is, as we speak about, what's the highest truth? What's the highest service? And for me, if we know that the answer is beyond the mind for people's, you know, it's not the mind that creates happiness, love, joy, peace. That's the heart. It's the mind that creates the, the suffering, the thought, and the endless cycles. So for me, it's, it's bringing into this that it's like, can we rather than identifying with the mind, identify with the heart and identify as we go through that, then beyond the heart. Mm. So that's the part that I'm on such a, you know, we're on journeys. I can bring it in and bring it to awareness. But I had this brought up to a question actually to me last night was, when are you going to bring this, like the heart and the level of spirit into the identity system? I said, why? Because they said something about like, you should be writing a book on this. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like give it another 10 to 15 years at least because to me it's about embodiment. Mm. It's who you be that speaks more than what you say. And that to me is a part where I don't feel like other than giving the information until I'm like I am so certain and convinced that this being that, yep, this is it, it's only then that I feel like it can be brought into pure teaching. That's, mm. that's where I feel like a lot of the – I would say personal development, but the world is 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 lacking. We have a lot of people that can teach it from their mind, from what mm. they've learned in a course or a development, but what's their actual being? Mm. Are they embodying that? Are their words and their being aligned? And that's where I feel like there's a big gap. So. Yeah, I agree. And what we were talking about before was, you know, you've got the human thinking. You can be a human thinker, you can sit in your mind, or you could be the human being and sit in your being. And obviously you use the breathwork tools and, you know, mindset tools to get you into the being state more, which then kind of transcends that thinking level. And then from that thinking level, then you can start to work through the emotions or work through your desires or come from that heart-centered whole place that can say, well, this is where I need to be. This is what I truly am and this is where I want to go and then you can make a plan and go from there and you you can't take a thinking mind 
and solve it with a thinking brain, right? You, you've got to. <laughs> we you, can do our best. You can, you know, as I said, life isn't linear. Like we we live in a holistic kind of world, and when we we're thinking we want to do this, and we we come at it from a logical standpoint, then that's what puts us in a loophole. That's where we kind of have the self self sabotage, the self, you know, the the belief systems that kind of sit on loop and hold us in that holding pattern. That's why we feel so stuck all the time, yeah. and then it's you know taking that. Um, thinking and, you know, uh, space that we've been in for so long, like from school, from university, we're always thinking, we're always mm-hmm. being taught to sit in that space. And, you know, especially in the Western culture, like we're not taught to be, you know, slow down and actually be. So that's really incredible that, you know, you're able to take people through that process. And it is, as I mentioned before, the, you know, the one and two channels, like you've got 98% of people that are sitting in that space. And once they kind of realize that they can shift out of that, then yeah, you can go into the higher kind of not higher, but just in a different channel, yeah, a different frequency. Yeah. yeah? And it's, yes, absolutely. Mm. And as you were talking before I, I realized because for me the challenge in explaining the identity system as a as a process yeah. is that there's steps to it that are specifically defined it's kind of like um I don't even know if I have an example but how do you create you know when they you go to a Michelin star restaurant and like yes. they cook a steak and you go to the barbecue and your mate cooks a steak, they're completely different. It's the process. It's, you know, there's, there's the, you know, the steps in it. It's the same thing with the, with the identity system. It's the way that it's processed that mm. is the magic to it, so to speak. My, that's the mission of being able to get it so that anyone can, we're going to have identity mentors, coaches around the world so that it's not a me thing. It's beyond. Yep. So I can sort of step back and just be in my own journey and it for it to serve. What I realized before as you were sharing was I was like, oh, that's what it is. It works at the level of mind, heart, and spirit. So when people are starting at mind and they're very mental, mm. they can, you know. And they- you got to break those patterns before you can go up into that next level, right? Yeah, and so yeah. The, the tools are set so that there's a part of it that's about the mental, there's a part of it that's about the heart, and there's a part of it that's mm. Or about the spirit. Mm. And so you're kind of bringing, you know, as long as we're in a human body, we have an ego as, mm. th- as much as some people may want to think that, oh my gosh, I don't have that. I am enlightened. Like <laughs> as long as we're in this body, we, we have that. And so it's knowing that, okay, how do we bring them all together in this, this loving combination? And that's what I've just, yeah, it's, thank you. Ticked in. That, yeah. There's the, <laughs> there's the, the points and the parts to, and that's connecting those three through that process. It is. Yeah. The intention now is is mind you can chill out. <laughs> like I, I sit with my mind each morning. Like I yeah. check in with Todd, my head, Toddy, my heart, and Toddy boy, my gut. Yes. And now it's become aware that I'm like, you there, Todd? And he's like, uh huh. I'm like, hey, you'll lay on the beach or watch a movie today. Like you're just gonna chill over here. Heart, you wanna lead? And yeah. then you know the intuition. You can do as you wish, and they kind of work together. Yes. And so. It's just on the on the call two nights ago, Monday night. So in week five, it's it's twenty weeks mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the three levels, three stages. Yeah. So level two is when we go more into beliefs, values, archetypes, the quantum to yes. get people ready. Level one is foundational awareness, more mm-hmm. informational, more things that we'll be implementing. Mm-hmm. Level two is more self awareness. Level three is where we go into identity. Yeah. Because if you have basically, it's like. If you have the center of the the circle, or the center of like a 
uh, what do you call it, like a target, and you blow up the center, the, the main piece, everything else collapses. Yep. So if someone doesn't already have self-awareness of what their beliefs are, what their values are, their behaviors, what's underpinned them, their blind spots, things like that, and you go to shift their identity, the awareness isn't there exactly. Yeah, they'll fall apart. So yeah. it's set in a way where it actually serves the person in the highest good that when they're uh, getting to identity, they can actually make a conscious decision that's informed from what they felt, what they've realized about themselves. And we were talking uh, on on Monday night and going through processes and there was yeah, one of those realization points. So, mm. And then when you get to spirit, then you've got to let it all go. <laughs> that, that, that has been the one where it's, it's uh, yeah. Um, I, I wrote down just before um, we um, chatted um, again, sorry, I'm quoting Ram Das because it's, um, it, I feel like it was dropping in before even having this conversation. Like over the weekend, I got his um, quote, I am loving awareness. Um, I think he has such an interesting take on life, as I mentioned before, and I really do like some of his teachings. Um, and one of his talks, he said, um, when I was in spirit, I was so compassionate and I was so present and I was so loving and I was so engaged and it was so beautiful. And then I would come down and it was as if the shutters would close or the veils would close and I'd suddenly start to feel myself constrained again in some old familiar person that I knew myself to be and I get trapped back in my personality dynamic. And I guess my question, <laughs> pretty powerful, He's hey? a wise man. He is. <laughs> so I guess my question um, to you is, you know, we can sometimes get lost in the illusions here on earth and in our ex- and in our experiences, perhaps even get lost in our identity, yeah? Um, so I wanted to ask you um, what was coming through for you as I was saying that in terms of, you know, relating that to your identity system that you've created. Oh, first thing is as I'm listening, he's like, he knows. That's that's number one is that's just a projection of, of mine. He's like listening. I'm like, he knows. He gets it. When you've had those experiences, there's a truth to that. Mm. And and the come down, you know, as he speaks about it a lot was with, with he when he was using LSD was the come down. And with what he said from the experience of the love, the compassion, the kindness, the it's it's beyond the self. And then we have the experience where we come back into self-separation, that illusion, in terms of answering the question with regards to identity, it links in where the intention is for the identity. If we wanted to, I'm, I'm like drawing on the table, listeners can't see it. <laughs> we've got this a circle here of like the identity and we've got the circle here of the spirit. The intention is for the ego, the identity, to be guided in the direction of spirit Mm -hmm. so that if we know that a spirit, you know, as he says, okay, what is a spiritual experience? It is love. It is compassion. It is kindness. It is openness. Okay. I'm here for my ego to be wired to love, compassion, kindness, because I know that if that's my day-to-day being, I'm closer to spirit than I am if I was over here focusing on gain and achievement and, you know, pride. Mm -hmm. And so it's, that's that's where the mind part comes into toward the spirit. It's about how do we how do we wire the identity? If we know that that underpins everything of the mind and the ego and its survival instincts, if we can shift it from survival focus to thriving and then expansion, yeah, yeah, it's about moving it towards heart and spirit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, incredible. 
Um, so can you share a little bit more about, you know, what you're doing at the moment, how you're, I know you've got um, a lot going on. So I'd love, you know, to, for you to share, you know, what the program, um, are you, is that an ongoing thing or do you have kind of set dates? And if you could share with us what that all looks like from your end. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So at the moment we're in week five yes. of the intake. And so at the moment there are startings to the intake, like launch dates for each yeah. intake. And so level one, as I said before, that's called the shift Mm -hmm. and that's foundational awareness. So that's going into the conscious and the subconscious mind, mindset compared to mindfulness, breath work and meditation, habits, routines, and the development of the subconscious in those. Mm -hmm. So it goes into bringing awareness to those. Uh, And like I said, that's four weeks and it's about giving people that are starting the journey the opportunity to go, is this something I want to continue with? Is this something that I'm valuing? And then from there, level two is where we go into more self-awareness. Yeah. So that's when we'll go into, you know, beliefs, values, the energetic archetypes and the quadrants of the light, the dark, the masculine, the feminine, the shadows, the masks, personas, um, the quantum space, ego, consciousness, conditioning, suffering circles and meaning. It's more around deep dive questions into if you're going to do a UPW with Tony Robbins or a breakthrough experience with Martini or date with destiny with Tony, things like that. Uh, or listening to Dispenser's work or Lipton's work. It's uh, taking those principles of self-awareness mm. and bringing them to the forefront and having each person go through introspection to realize the parts that make up themselves. Yeah. And then from there, that's six weeks. And then from week 10 to week 20, that's identity system. Mm-hmm. So, the identity system is the the process. That's what I've gone through myself. It's what I've implemented with my clients. But as I said, the, the one-on-one clients. But as I said, if we just go straight into that mm. without the awareness prior, to me it's not doing my due diligence of supporting people to, to create the greatest thing. Because basically the way I give the analogy is if if you know that you're about to turn the clock from 12 to 3 and it could be like that at a really big, like a permanent way. And you're intending to go to three, but without the awareness, you turn it like 90 degrees, but you turn it the other way and your identity starts going to nine. That's the opposite direction of, of what we're looking for. So people could wire their identity to, I'm a goal achiever. I'm this, I'm that. Very in the ego, but does that actually create the feeling that they're desiring? Mm. No. And so that's where the awareness comes in. Um, so, yeah, it's I've been implementing it with myself and private clients for three or so years now yeah, and just witnessing the results until I was like, okay, this is ready to come out into the public. And so it's in a group platform, but the beauty of it is it's coaching for me isn't through speaking, telling through questioning, Mm -hmm. asking questions because everyone has a different answer to the same question. Mm -hmm. Well, not, not everyone mathematics and stuff like that has, you should have the same (laughs) answer, but the principle of like ourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. Fantastic. And so that's, so you'll be launching soon. So you said that you were halfway we're in, through. Yeah, we're in yeah. an intake now. End of October Yep, uh, will be the start of the next intake. Fantastic. So yeah, yeah, great. Well, thank you, Todd, for your time. I truly appreciate your insights, um, your words of wisdom. Um, I will put all the, your details in the show notes so people can find you easily. And uh, I want to say thank you for... Um, opening up your heart today and really just embracing um, all the questions that I was firing at you <laughs> and just being you, as I said, like, you know, you just have this beautiful, incredible presence to be around. So thank you. Um, and I can't wait to 
watch you thrive and see all these transformations that you're supporting. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I'm grateful and glad. that concludes today's conversation if it lifted your spirit or touched your soul it would mean the absolute world to me if you could leave a review and subscribe to this podcast so that more souls can be impacted by these life-changing conversations and if you're not ready for this episode to end head over to tarahegarty.com to get the show notes for today's episode i love you so much and thank you for being here I'll see you next week for another episode of Business Meets Soul.